It's recommended by the Office of the President-Elect, an essential part of a balanced media diet. It's No Agenda, coming to you on this end from the United Kingdom. I'm Adam Curry. And I'm John C. Dvorak here in Silicon Valley North, where it's another hot day. Oh, and you are awake, John. You're 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 energetic. I I just you know I took the red eye. I flew in from uh, from New York this morning. So and boy, your arms. Oh uh, yeah yeah. Bada boom, bada boom, bada boom. Yeah, actually from Newark. I love flying out of Newark. What a great airport. You like Newark? Oh yeah. It's uh, it is the most undervalued of the tri-state area. It is fantastic. Mm. It's, it's it's usually much easier to get to from the city. There's less no, traffic. Yeah, I think it's easier to get to Laguardia. To be honest about it. Yeah, but then LaGuardia itself is such a pain in the ass experience. You know, Newark well, it's is an big old dog and looming, of an airport. And you can't fly to, I don't think you can fly from London, uh, from uh, no, LaGuardia. You can't fly coast to coast to LaGuardia. It's only no. for Midwest and uh, East Coast uh, uh, jumpers, puddle jumpers. Yeah. So, uh, <sighs> so I'm a little bit, uh, I'm less energetic than you are today, I guess. Oh, so you were, you were in New York with all the, with the guys? Yeah, it was uh, the full week. You didn't know that? No, I did know that. Uh, I knew that uh, Jeff and uh, Ron were in New York, but I didn't know you were there. Yeah, well, it was really important. Uh, first of all, you know, this was our big uh, go to see all the uh, all the advertising agencies, or really the media buying agencies. But also, uh, Jeff Carpoot, uh, who's been in the company what all of six weeks now. Um, you know, we we need a little bonding experience. You know, what the hell do you know? I mean, we talked to the guy for months before we asked him to join the company as CEO. It doesn't mean you actually know the guy. Know what I mean? Did you take him out drinking? Oh, well, dude. <laughs> As I said, it was bonding. Not everything is appropriate. <laughs> no, but it, that's really important. You know, you get to know a guy. You get to know his jokes. You get to know what he likes to eat in the morning. You know, I've known Ron for 14 years. You know, it's uh, it's different. How was New York? I love New York. Once again, yeah, you're, uh, you're a borderline New Yorker. I, 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 no, I have to say I am. And even with what they've done with Times Square, um, I, I think it's actually improved it. I, I really, I think they've done a great job. Broadway looks no, beautiful. It technically, is, is uh, yeah, they've improved. It. I mean, ever since Giuliani got in there it's and they phenomenal. cleaned up the place, it's, but it doesn't have its old charm of hookers and muggers. No, 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 no. I disagree. The muggers, yeah, there's not as many muggers. Uh, in fact, I didn't see any. But it does still have the charm, you know. Yeah, not. It's not no. exactly that way. I'm 40s, but you know, look, we were doing business in New York. It's still the same buildings. It's still, you know, kind of the crappy elevators. Every the the wind is whistling through the buildings. Rooms are too hot or too cold. You know, it rains. The guys with the ten dollar umbrellas come out. You know, that's also New York, John. Yeah, but that's not just yeah, but that's all over the city. And uh, Flash Dancers is still there, doing fine, I might add. Uh, did you go there? Yeah, of course. Really? You took Jeff? No, no. I went by myself. Oh, you went I had, by yourself? Yeah, I had like three hours to kill before I, before I was getting picked up for the airport. I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm already checked out of the hotel. I got literally three hours. It's drizzling. And uh, I'm like, because uh, from our hotel, I could literally see uh, uh, David Letterman's place, the, uh, uh, what's the, 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 the Ed Sullivan Theater, yeah. Which has you know beautiful Letterman Tonight Show signs outside, and I thought, oh yeah, he's always taught, he's always showing Flash Dancer, so I wonder where that is. And so I get out my. Oh, you've never been in there before? No, I haven't been to the Flash Dancer. So I get out my Google phone, and I type in Flash Dancers New York, and it's like, oh, it's right across the street around the corner. <laughs> 
So, yes. So I, I had a $10 beer. That was pretty cool. $10 beer. Did any of the girls recognize you? Uh, no. No, 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 no. Oh, that's too bad. No. But it, it was uh, it was very dark. So and I was and empty. Because, <laughs> of course, Wall Street is uh, bust. Yeah, well, there should have been a lot of guys in there crying, you know, and, you they know. Should, uh, a couple of the girls, I was talking to the girls, and they said, yeah, the when Lehman Brothers went down, which is not far from there, um, there were guys who came in, and she said they were white as sheets, and they were crying, and uh, and since then, <laughs> business is only 30% of what it, of what it was uh, before all the, uh, the malaise well, started. Business is only 30%, 30%. of what it was at Flashdancers? Yeah. You mean to tell me that that place was supported by Wall Street? No. You think? Unbelievable. Are you kidding me? That's what all these places are supported by. The guys who are in these uh, strip joints are the sleaze buckets who are taking hundreds of millions of dollars in bonuses. Because that's all they did. They take that money, go down to flash dancers or scores or string fellows or whatever, and spend thousands on not getting laid. Yeah, that's about it. Getting, you that's know, the... getting rubbed up. <laughs> if that. <laughs> well, go see the Alexa. The massage is your wallet. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. so that was maybe that was part of why I wanted to go in there to find out how that was doing because when when we had bank clients in New York, oh, that's the reason. Okay, I get it. Well, you know, it was it was part research. <laughs> part research. <laughs> I'm writing it off. A friend, well, to my friend of mine who used to be a major book writer, I should mention his name, but maybe I shouldn't. But he used to be a writer for PC Magazine. Lived in New York, a major major Windows book writer. Put a Windows tattoo on himself. Oh, man. He became a, an aficionado of all the strip places in Manhattan. Really? Hmm. First name basis with all the girls. Cool. So I said, well, geez, you've got to take me around. And <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so he, he took me around. I met all these different girls who were all just, you know, they all, oh, you know, they were all, you know, falling all over themselves. So when they saw him, I guess he was a big tipper. Mm -hmm. And uh, they all, everyone knew him. And, you know, I'm wandering around like a, th a fifth wheel. And, but anyway, we went to that place. Um, Flash dancers? Flash dancers. Yeah. When they were closing. So we stayed after they closed. Oh, that's so when it gets fun, of, man. Well, some of the couple of the girls come sit down so they can talk to, to him. I, I keep resisting saying his first name. And so one of them sits down and, you know, we get into a conversation. The first thing they do is they tear off their pasties. They all have pasties. And they just, they just hate these things and they just tear them off. So they're sitting there. I've never seen pa pasties in, in flash dance. Oh, they used to have, well, then these days it was, apparently it was a lot. what is it, 1930, John, when they still had tassels? <laughs> what? No, these pasties, you can't see them. It just looks like it's a piece of, it's clear goo. Oh, and it's, it's just to keep form and to keep it keep it up or what is it no it's for just a base it's to to when giuliani came in they required this and that it was a way of getting around flaunting the law oh but you they were completely topless here yeah well you can't see this stuff anyway so they, i think i was like, close like, enough to know john Oh, okay, well, they, they apparently were dig, changed the law. But anyway, they had to take them off. So anyway, they're sitting but, 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 beside the point of the story. Yes, 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 yes. So they're sitting there naked, essentially, <laughs> with a G-string. Yeah. And um, uh. so one of them talked about, you know, she said, well, you know, I'd like to get out of this town. I'd like to go someplace else. But, you know, I'm a stripper, and I just <laughs> have to find someplace else to go. I'm just and waiting I for my said, sugar daddy. And with all my, my infinite wisdom, said, you ought to go to Atlanta. <laughs> There's a million strip clubs down there, and it's really pleasant down there. Was it Cheetahs? Is that in Atlanta? Is that no, the, a, the big at the time was the Gold Club, Cheetah 3, Cheetah 4. There's a bunch. Of, the, the place was crawling with them. They John, have them once again, you amaze me. You are an aficionado in truly everything. John C. Dvorak. 
You know yeah. something about everything. Now, this is, a, ladies and gentlemen, is an example of somebody stepping all over your material. <laughs> Sorry. So anyway, so I tell, I say to the girl who's sitting there with her friend, nothing, basically nothing on, and I say you should go to Atlanta, and she she pipes up kind of adamantly and says, "Huh, I would never do that. They dance nude down there." <laughs> oh man. I just, I was, I couldn't speak after that. I was just like, what? <laughs> well, I think it's a fine service. And I'm all for it. This is a bunch of girls that can't get work otherwise and usually have a pretty cute figure. No, the girl I met was um, uh, Polish and she was, uh, um, she was, she was going to, she was studying business. And she was su uh, supplementing her student income by working three days a week. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh, man. So anyway. My favorite, you know, I, there's a couple of, I don't like these clubs, by the way, for anyone out there who wants to know. Because I, at some point, when you're younger, you go, you know, you go to enough of these places. And I went, I've seen, gone through two iterations of these things. And, uh. Um, it's boring and expensive at the end of the day. Well, the expense, you know, actually, you know, it's not as expensive as it could be. And it's not as expensive as some of those mobs, mobbed up places where they really take you for everything you have. But I have taken it upon myself because you run into a lot of people that get to go to Manhattan and, you know, they're from out of town or they're whatever they want and they want to go to these places. I'm talking, I go to a business meeting with some, you know, like, big software company or well, that's somebody. That's always pathetic. Say, that's pathetic. Oh, hey, we're not home. Our wives are away. We're all yeah, guys together. Yeah. Let's go to a strip bar and drink and hoot and holler. Who yeah, I hate that. Well, the worst. So I, so I usually make sure to go, not because of the strip club, but to keep these guys from getting ripped off. <laughs> and now uh, I know who you're talking about. Yes, okay. <laughs> and so I mean, so you go in, and you know, you just see the. I mean, these these girls are like uh, vultures. And especially when they they and they can spot these out of town guys a mile yeah, away, and, and they yeah. kind of, they sw they swarm, and then they come in, and the next thing you know, it's just it's just you can just see the money. They they talk these guys into buying ridiculously priced crappy champagne, one thing after another. And I have actually, on more than one occasion, insisted that they leave immediately, and. Um, and I, I, without explanation, I so said, you have to go now. Yeah. Just take my word for it. You know, I do it in some sort of a way that makes it sound like something's, something bad is going to happen. Yeah, because something bad you, is about to happen. Yeah, they're, <laughs> something <laughs> bad is about to happen. And I get them out of there. Um, yeah, we used to have to take guys there all when, when, um, when when we not took, go to those places, people. Ah, when we took the Think No Ideas public right after we hit the tape, as they call it, uh, that, so after the, the market closed that day, then all the, uh, all the traders who would, cause when you go public, it's a whole event, a whole company, it's a whole bunch of stuff that happens. Actually, that's almost worth a book just, uh, writing about that experience. Let's but do it. And then they're like, hey, uh, come on, let's, uh, let's, I think it was, it wasn't scores, it was some other one. I can't remember where it was. You know, let's go. And so it's like, you know, the, it was the typical thing, like 15 guys, you know, and they all made money that day off of our company. We didn't, but our company had money now to go and, and grow and be, you know, and operate, which was fun. Uh, but I remember, you know, we all sat in the private room and then these guys are getting completely wrecked and they're getting sweaty and their ties are halfway off. And we were, one guy's leading over to the other one. Hey man, can you spot me a thousand bucks? I'm not liquid right ah. now. Okay, I'm not liquid. <laughs> 
thousand bucks. Thousand bucks, yeah. Uh, and you know, and it was uh, icky, icky at best. But this was just, you know, I was like, I just want to get a beer, just want to go sit, and uh, I thought, hey, what the hell? So. Uh, well, unless you learn something. Yeah. I mean, in fact, you, if you can get a couple of these, it's, if, in fact, if you can get some of these girls into a, a, a like an honest conversation, which is possible, because they, you know, most of them are just, you know, surrounded yeah, by sleaze. A lot of them are idiots, yeah. You find out some interesting things. Yeah. And, um. Well, this was a typical, well, you know, this, this, she fit the profile, you know, um, from Poland, uh, goes back, uh, once a year. You know, I think she sends money back when she wants to, uh, she's studying business and children's psychology. I don't know. Eh, she was pretty yeah, well, there, there, There's some of these. Uh, she might have been for real. L- leave, let me yeah, have my fantasy. Let me have my fantasy. Stop. Anyway, I have I have here in my hands. Uh, a oh, vi- but wait before before you finish that. Let me just mention one more thing. If anybody wants to, uh, you know, if you if you like Chris Rock, find a copy which is all over the internet of "There's No Sex in the Champagne Room." Oh, I should take a look at that. I have in my hands a VHS tape. Uh, and it has an old MTV Networks Inc. label on it. And I got this mm. uh, from uh, a good, good friend of mine. I had to, had to be in New York to get a hold of it. And it has eight years worth of MTV outtakes of all of your favorite VJs, the ones that never made the air. Yeah, you on there? Oh, yeah. All of us. And, uh, are we going to put, post the ones of you on, uh, Mebio? No, we're going to put every single one of them up. Oh, you got permission? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, in fact, I'm not allowed to say who I got it from. And I said, look, look I'm going to put it up. I'm going to burn a Mebio bug in it. So, uh, if we get a cease and desist, someone will upload it to YouTube. They'll live on in perpetuity. It's great material. And the reason why I'm doing this, A, because they didn't invite me for the Headbangers Ball, um, uh, reunion, and now they're doing the last TRL Total Request Live, which of course started as uh, Dial MTV, another show I uh, was doing years ago, and they're not inviting me to that. So uh, I'm inviting all of them to my party on MeVia. So how come you became persona non grata? Well, dude, I quit on air. Then we had a huge lawsuit. Well, what did you expect them to invite you to these things for then? Well, that shouldn't be so childish. <sighs> It's just business. <laughs> exactly. It's for us. It's just no. For me, it's personal. So I'm putting that up. That'll be fun. I just now, but now I got to find a VHS machine so I can digitize this stuff. Oh, I went to all the camera shops on uh, along Broadway and and, uh, no, and a couple on fine. Fifth. They didn't even have VHS players anymore. Just find some, you know, some local studio, some independent production yeah. house, and digitize and, and then schmooze them. They'll do it for free. Mm-hmm. That's what or I got to pay do. for it, you know. Yeah, you no, know. I'll pay for it. I just got to find someone who does it. There's got to be two or three places there yeah. that'll do it. But this stuff, do a better job than you'll do. But this stuff is thank you. Uh, these outtakes are not just you know bloopers. It's not like America's Funniest Home Videos or some stupid shit like that or like something you'd see on the E Channel. Uh, this is stuff where. Um, you know how you could be doing a segment and, and it's on tape anyway, so it's okay if it goes wrong, but then you just take it in a whole different direction. It usually winds up with sex with animals or something like that. And of course, it's never actually going to make it on the air, but you kind of complete the thing anyway. Uh, so it's a lot of that. Oh. And you'll be amazed at what downtown Julie Brown does. Yeah. You mean besides sue you after you run this thing? She won't sue me. She'll laugh. Oh, okay. What are we going to get? Cease and desist? What, what is she? What is she doing now? I have no idea. 
She always had the best name. Downtown Julie Brown? Yeah, good name. Yeah. Yeah. She had, what, what she never had was talent. <laughs> 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 well, that's pretty much par for the course of that place, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> uh, but most of the people, like um, Martha and Mark Goodman, and I think Alan as well, they're they're um, all on the '80s channel on Sirius Satellite. So they got some kind of work. Mm. Who are now merging? <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Yeah. They've mer they're merging all the technology now too. I think the business model still is lacking, and in, in the fact I was talking, who was I talking to the other day? Um, well, the business model is not only lacking, but the problem is their distribution is getting radios into cars, and right now the car industry is not selling cars. Well, no, I'm talking to. I went out to lunch with a venture capitalist uh, uh, on Thursday, mm. and, and found a new interesting place, by the way, for for business lunches. Oh, good. Uh, anyway, he was talking to me about you know he's got a Bentley, and he and it's got one of the I guess he's got one of those plugs for an iPod, and he says In that the he you know used to have a subscription to both those services, yeah. the, you know, because these guys. He says he just canceled on both. He says he just listens to podcasts. Really. Yeah, he says, and he says a lot of his other friends are just, you know, they basically, once they get into the podcast groove, then they don't want anything They just else. listen to podcast, podcast because there's no commercial interruptions. They're easier to listen to. You can listen, you just, you know, start and stop, yeah. which is a big deal. Yeah. Because if you're listening to something interesting on XM, you, you know, there's no, there's no TiVo capability in those no. things yet. Uh, actually, there is. Uh, Sirius has, I forget what they call it. They do have one that will actually record the broadcast that you can, like a TiVo mm. functionality. But it's still, well, it's recording. It has to do it, you know, whenever that, whenever the show is being broadcast and. Right, there's no in, versatility. And you can't be in the <laughs> tunnel. You know, stuff like that. I think once we, once time switching became obviously a big deal, um, I was skeptical at first. But why would I? Because I've been using VHS machines since they first came out to do the same thing, right? Right. And so, so once people decided that they didn't want their content handed to them on a schedule that they had to to uh, obey, obey to yeah, adhere uh, to. They, uh, it, it, I think the world changed, and I think that's what opened the door for these uh, kinds of things we do with this podcasting. Thing. I agree. Gee, I wonder who started that. That must have been a pretty smart guy. Dave Weiner? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, a little present for you here, John. There you go. Uh, now, you know, pe people basically hey. bought it for Stern. You know, everyone listens to Stern. Maybe they listen to some of the ESPN stuff, maybe B BBC America, but I think that's pretty much it. Right. Yeah. And well, I still, you know, I still think that podcasting, uh, which, is, which is interesting to me that you invented it so far ahead of the curve because um, i'm always interested in people that get so far ahead of the curve that the but by the time the thing really becomes a big deal they're probably dead but um not quite <laughs> no i know but I'm, I'm saying in 20 years i think everything's going to be distributed this way and i think there's going to be more independent productions and i think more uh it's going to be a little more competitive i mean sure i'm sure everyone still downloads the pbs stuff and you know now that everyone's gotten into the act well, I do think uh, there will be one, one maybe minor difference that, you know, if we actually could have complete ubiquitous bandwidth everywhere at, at reasonable, uh, throughput rates, then there might not be that much reason 
to have to download stuff before you can listen to it. It may actually be able to be streamed and started and stopped live, but you know it requires a huge infrastructure which we clearly don't have. So right well, now, it's, it's, but I think what's overlooked because you're not the only guy who said this, but I think what's overlooked in this in this analysis mm-hmm. is that that's actually a throwback. We don't need to do. I mean, I think it'd be great if we could stream stuff, and I think it's still important for like sporting events and things where you really don't want to listen to. <coughs> well, but I'm just talking about saving more time because you know, yeah, there's lots of people using iTunes for podcasts, but I don't really know how well it works if it's really downloading in the background. You know, I think that probably when someone wants to load up, they say, "Okay, give me all my stuff." And that the speeds are now fast enough that it kind of comes in and you can do it. It's a, you know, maybe a 20 minute ordeal if you got a couple of shows you want to download, but it's not really fully automatic. So all I'm saying is just to make it easier that you, that it may, so it's not about the live stream. It'll be on demand streaming is what I mean. It's not like live in, uh, in real time live, but you can just access it on demand. I think that will happen more and more. It's just because it, it saves the, 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 the audience more time at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I think it'd be better if you just had a big menu. Yeah. Uh, here's, here's, here's ideally what I'd like to see. Okay, here we go. You have a, your player or you, maybe not even your player, but you have a connection to a player that's built into the car or who, who knows what that's through Wi-Fi. You have a menu that comes up on your screen and you just click on the 10 podcasts you want and then, or subscribe to them so they update automatically right. through some wireless system. And then, uh, you're done. Or you go to a website and some guy has a podcast. You just click on that and there's some mechanism. It just automatically throws it onto your uh, playlist. It yeah. goes right onto your into your car or wherever you, you listen to this stuff. And then you, you just, so it's just basically one-click stuff. Well, so I almost have it set up that way because what I've done is on Mevio.com, which, by the way, I think the homepage is starting to get starting to like be something now. But um, on uh, Mevio.com, I'll make a channel of uh, favorite shows. So I have, um, let's see, what do I have in there? Um, the New York Times front page. I've got uh, Fresh Air. I've got the BBC News Pod. I've got uh, uh, Pacific Coast Hellway. I've got Tech 5. And then it's all in one channel. So it's one feed. And I subscribe to that in my uh, Nokia podcast uh, application. And all I, and so it's literally one click. It'll bring in the whole list of new episodes in the shows that I like. And then I can just say, okay, download this one, this one, this one, this one, or all of them if I want to. And that's it. And then I'm, you know, and then I'm good to go. Mm. So, and that's, that's getting pretty close to, to perfect, I would say. Yeah, I need something like that. I mean, I'm still. Well, you, well, you have an E71. You can do the same thing. Yeah, I, I, I don't listen to the stuff through the E71. I'm going to have to start using the E71's uh, multimedia capability a little more. Well, I got this bitchin' headset. Still... That, that That's what's really working for me. I got. Did I show you that headset? The uh, the no, Motorola no. Bluetooth behind the... It's, you know, looks like it's made of solid plastic and it goes behind the uh, behind the neck. I'll show it to you. Uh, it's awesome. Let me see if I have the model number on this. Uh doesn't say. Um, you're looking it up? You're Googling? Yeah, I'm googling. It's uh, yeah. It. I picked this up at the San Francisco airport uh, last time I was leaving, and it's it's awesome. So you got you know beautiful stereo. You can uh, start and stop from the headset. No wires, which is really what I what I hated. And I can even put have this thing on when they're when the plane is taking off. When you're supposed to have everything off, if they catch you with earphones in, uh, then they uh, almost rip them out of your head, right? So this, you know, the, it just goes right underneath the hairline. You don't see it, and I'm sitting there chilling, listening to shows. 
And if a call comes in, then it interrupts it. It's great. Hmm. Well, you have to send me a link. Yeah, I will. I will. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I still, uh, burn CDs. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of people do actually. In fact, you know, um, well, I, I'll tell you what the problem is with burning CDs because I have a bunch of them. That, you know, when I go into the uh, the San Francisco office, I have I, I one of the things I do is I've, I've I've downloaded a lot of the ad tech. Uh, they ad tech, which is one of the big conferences for people out there who do a lot of blogging and stuff. They want to kind of understand this business a little better. You can go to these ad tech uh, the ad tech site, and they have all their speeches for all their conferences available as podcasts. All oh, of them. that's cool. Yeah, that's good. And we were talking like dozens and dozens. But do they have a, down- do they have an RSS feed? They have a, uh... Well, the problem is there's so many of these things you want to you want to pick and choose. And well, so, so here's something and- that would be great if you, if you could go to Mevio and then you could create a channel of the ones you think are good and then publish that. That so would be cool. Yeah. I'd listen to that. I'd listen to your feed if you if you were putting stuff in there. So anyway, so I the problem is is that there you can only get one or you know because of the the problem with CDs is that they only hold seventy minutes. Right. <clears throat> you know, with the with you when you have an iPod, you could load that baby up with hours and hours and hours and hours of material. Or even with the E seventy one, how much yeah. does that hold? Like whatever that memory card. Well, yeah, it's device. a two uh, two gig memory card, so you can store tons of stuff on it. Yeah. So it's a big difference. So you end up burning a lot of cheap CDs and throwing them out. Yeah, but I find that that's good for the car because I've tried the the Bluetooth to the car radio. That sucks. I've I've never gotten that to work reliably. So uh, yeah, I'll burn stuff to a CD for in the car. In fact, uh, I made a big stink about this, and the download links are coming back, ladies and gentlemen, on uh, Mevio. Oh, you? Oh, oh, right. yeah. Of course, it's stupid. I mean, it's like you can't force people to listen to shows on the computer. You know, or force the, force them. To, you know, it's like why make it difficult? Just give me a damn, damn download link. This is what I'm saying to Al. You can hear me saying it. Al, don't make it so fucking difficult. Well, the <clears> problem <throat> is, is that you know, the, the, until they, I mean, yeah, they, they, there's a difficulty monetizing these kinds of things. But the fact of the matter is, there's ways. A and B. People want to download. Let me. I have to get the phone now. Yeah, Hang on. no problem. Go ahead. Well, give me a story first. Uh. <laughs> Now I got a cover. Uh, let me see. I got a good story. <clears throat> I'm so happy. You there? Yeah, I'm back. All right. You want to continue this or you want to talk about something else? Well, what, no, I think we're boring people okay. stiff. All right. So I picked up, um, as I always do for my girls, I pick up uh, like People Magazine. I'll pick up uh, Us Weekly or whatever it is. And I'll pick up the National Enquirer and Globe. And I'm so happy uh, with our our new president because now politics are really in the uh, in the supermarket tabloids. And uh, I had to pick this up. Obama's wife attacks Oprah. Back off! There's only room for one first lady in the White House. And it's great because and and in essence, I'm sure that a lot of this is taking place. So you know the story, of course, which is hyped to no end. Well, well, wait a minute before you go on. Where did where was it? Where did this one run? Because I the globe, for people out the there that don't know any better, the National Enquirer is quite accurate. Yes. Oh, but this is the Globe. The Enquirer has its own story, but this is an exclusive to the Globe, which I'll put in the same league. Although Enquirer may be better, um, and it's really saying that you know Oprah. 
who, of course, did do a tremendous amount uh, for uh, the Obama campaign. She had a big fundraiser at her house, you know, like $3,000 a head dinner. Declared uh, him the Messiah. Did, did that, you know, talked about him. She is one of, if she's not the... She's a kingmaker. She, well, she's, she's huge on television. She is massive. And so now, you know, of course, um, so this is how it works, right? The campaign ends, the Twittering stops, you know, the emails are uh, drop off the face of the earth because it's done, right? We got nothing left to say to anyone who did anything. That's the way it goes. But of course, Oprah, you know, who's been, who's been dedicating, uh, a lot of her uh, personal time, but also a professional, uh, taking risk, risk even, you know, she had, what she was, remember in the beginning, people said, oh, she's going to lose her audience. People will hate her. You know, so there was some significant risk involved. You know, so you're not Oprah and it's not like all of a sudden, okay, thanks. I'm a president. No, she's calling up and she's going like, all right. Um, so I'll be hosting the inaugural ball. This is the dress that I'll be wearing. You know, I mean, and, uh, and oh, by the way, you know, I've got an agenda. Here's some things you have to do because, you know, I'm Oprah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, this uh, was, you know, this was all expected. Of course, it was. Well, people don't think about it, and that's why I'm so happy that this is showing up in the supermarket tabloids because now, you know, now I have a reason to read these things again. Uh, and Michelle Obama is apparently really pissed off. You know, she's like, you know, back off, sister. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Well, like because it. Michelle Obama, Obama is indeed, or will be in January, the first lady, and and Oprah is not the first lady. Although Oprah was kind of a de facto first lady of the black community, and now she's going to, yep. you know, she must. This is going to be interesting because you're right. Yes. This could turn into a little, a little hissy fit here. Well, even crazier than that. So, uh, I was talking to Patricia about this, who, and she approached this from a very different angle. She sees it as celebrity gossip. You know, she's not even that into the whole presidential thing the way I am, certainly. And uh, and so I, I mentioned this to her, and she says, "Oh yeah, no, I've been seeing Oprah, man. She's like, because you know, she's not mar- uh, she's not married to Stedman. You know, her sexuality has always been in question, and you know, she's really like the most eligible uh, bachelorette uh, in in America, I would say." Um, even though she has this guy, you know, maybe just uh, maybe just her mustache or whatever it is, or beard, whatever you call it, it doesn't matter. Beard. Yeah. Um, but Patricia was saying that you know everywhere Oprah's like hanging on uh, on Barack, and you know she she as well. She, Patricia put it a little more crudely, but she says like she's just gliding over him continuously. And I bet she would have loved to say? have been. Th- that's what she said. You know, Oprah is. There's no. Re- she said it in Dutch, so it doesn't really translate. But she said, you no. know, Oprah is just. Moist oh, for Barack. That was uh, the essence. Ah, I get it. And uh, and I thought about it. I said, yeah, you know, I could totally understand where Oprah would think, shit, you know, this is the guy for me. I like him. Now, she can't do anything about it now. I think that's way too late. But uh, but you bet you bet that she has a lot. She has an agenda. And she's going to call uh, Barack on it. The president. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. But the problem is, you know, a lot of people believe that the entire, you know, the black community, which has never been, had this much access to power, is going to be all over him, you know, pushing him in one direction or another. He's going to have to do, he's going to have to essentially pull a Nixon and, uh, and pretty much isolate himself. So you just, you just, you just can't get a hold of him. Well, he's got enough, uh, he's got enough people he's considering for his administration that have worked with Nixon. Well, and Clinton, and he's got that mean-spirited uh, chief of staff. Rahm Emanuel. You know, I, I looked up a couple of things on some of these people. I didn't have a, a lot of time. 
uh, I don't know if we talked about it last week, but Rahm Emanuel was on the board of directors at Freddie Mac in 2002 yeah. when the, when there was, you know, huge money was being laundered and lost and, uh, all these people that are, that are around him in the administration are just, it's kind of scary. They've got, we- I mean, I, you probably get a weird background if you're in politics long enough anyway, but, hmm. So the word here is that Hillary Clinton's going to become Secretary yeah. of State. Yeah, I followed that whole thing. Friday it kind of like, well, you know, she doesn't want to say and the insiders are saying and, but then I heard Hillary give a speech where she said, I'm going to respect the president, the, the president elect's process. So it sounds like she indeed could be, uh, up for well, the, you uh, know, when they during the election, when the two of them were still battling each other, and she had to give in and not, you know, make a big fuss at the end. They had that secret meeting to just the two of them, and oh, they came yeah, out, right. and she was smiling, and everybody that's thought right. there was some sort of a quid pro quo deal that was done to get her out of the out of the race. And many people assumed it was vice, that v- she v- would be the vice president. Yeah. This may have been the deal. Well, it's the right gig for her, I'll say that. She is definitely the right person, although, of course, she you know works for the evil Uber or overlords. You know you know my opinion on that. But just from what she knows and who she knows and the, the world she's traveled around in, I think she would be pretty good. Maybe. She's another neoliberal. Well, of course she is. I mean, it, it's all show anyway. I just want pretty pictures to look at. By the way, Sarah Palin now with her hair down at that Republican get-together. Arr. <laughs> oh, so it turns out. So it turns out. You watch Bill Maher last Friday. Yeah. Uh, not this coming. This last. I didn't see the one last uh, night. I never watch it. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't. It's, it's, I can. We already went through this. I can't get it over here. Oh well, you know. Once we get our sling, sling boxes. boxes yeah, when we get the sling boxes. Yeah. And there's a thing called sling catcher that puts it on the TV. I'm, I'm going to get uh, uh, some units and I'll figure out how to do it. Excellent. Anyway, so. Um, Bill Maher uh, was one of the guys ranting and raving about what an idiot Sarah Palin was because she thought Africa was a country. And it and turns out denied, it wasn't true. Yeah, she denied it. Nobody paid any attention to her denials, but they decided to go with it. And it, and it was a blogger who was a hoax guy. And it was a big hoax in the Los Angeles Times, you know, the media. MSNBC. They all jumped on this poor woman for this something that didn't even happen. It was just, I thought it was sick. Despicable. Yeah, it's, well, it's the, that's the media. That's why it's better now to buy. I bet you this story in the Globe is true. It's more true than that shit. Yeah, I'm sure. I know it's pathetic that we have to read tabloids to get news. Well, it rem- I, mean, it rem- that- well I was going to say it reminds me of Men in Black. Uh, I think it was the first Men in Black where um, Tommy Lee Jones is uh, showing Will uh, Will Smith the ropes. And then he walks by a newsstand, and he stops, and he picks up the National Enquirer, and then uh, Will Smith says, you know, what's that for? He says, this is research. <laughs> you know, it's for all the stories. It's all true. Everything in here is, the, is what's happening in the real world. <laughs> well, they, you know, the one thing that's come out over the, you know, the National Enquirer uh, doesn't get any respect because they buy a lot of their, their stories. They'll actually pay sources to spill their, be- spill their guts. Right, right. And this is considered bad practice. Yeah, I'm reading uh, The Best Democracy Money Can Buy, Greg Palast. Have you ever uh, heard of him? No, I haven't heard of him, but I heard of that book. Uh, excellent book. Excellent book. And it, and it's really, uh, he's a, a journalist. He's uncovered a lot of amazing, amazing things that have gotten no attention in mainstream media. So it's partially about the truth that he's uncovered, which goes back to the 2004 elections um, with uh, voters 
predominantly uh, black, uh, but almost all Democrat being uh, scrubbed off of the uh, eligibility or voter list in Florida. But really, it's about how he has tried to get these stories into mainstream news in America and has failed. And what I'm already reading now is he's saying, look, this, no one's doing any research. It's a lot safer just to, you know, to buy your story because that's what, you know, th- that's what they all do, John. They don't, they don't, you know, they buy a package story. They don't buy the news or the information from, uh, from the person directly, but they'll just buy a package of news. You know, they'll take a press release, turn it into a news story. And uh, there's no report. And it's too expensive. No one wants to spend the money on reporting. In fact, the line that no, I like no, the- here, you let, yeah, the newspapers are at some point making something like twenty percent margin when they were in their heyday, mm-hmm. and so they keep cutting back on the quality, and then people stop looking at the papers because the quality sucks. Yep. And then they, they they cheapen it more, thinking people are going to want that. When I always, you know, I've made this argument a million times. It's like, why do you make your product worse if you want more people to buy it? I mean, that, this never made any sense to me. And then meanwhile, it's so bad. And this is a, I thought there's a point of irony here. I was on a call recently for the Bulldog Reporter with a bunch of other writers uh, talking to public relations people about how they should do their job. This is common. And Kara Swisher was on at the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. And she's talking about her website. She, they got all things digital, whatever it is. There. It's kind of a blog that's separate from the journal itself. Although it's edited, I believe. Anyway, she said that the most popular feature on there is press releases run full cloth. Yeah. She says it really shocks her, but you run a press release full cloth and it gets more page views than most of the stuff that she does. She says she just kind of mentions this in passing. And I'm thinking, think about what you just said. Isn't that crazy? Uh, so, I mean, the press, it's just, you know, okay, well, anyway, so the, so the, I, 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 the whole newspaper thing is just completely, now somebody made the, or mentioned the possibility that they are going to be next in line to beg for a bailout. Oh, well, just before, These guys don't need any more money. Just before we get into that, so somewhere in the beginning of this book is the line that this is so rare that, jur- that journalists actually do any real investigative reporting that that's why they had to make a whole movie about, you know, called All the President's Men because uh, who were the guys? Woodrow, Woodrow uh, Bernstein and Woodward. Bernstein and Woodward. It was so rare that they had actually done all that investigating reporting, investigative reporting to uncover the Watergate scandal. They had to make a movie about it. And the point is well made. I never thought about that, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, so what's so special? These I mean, guys I mean, actually did their job. It was, it was so unusual yeah. that this ever happened. And this yeah. is in the 70s, by the way. Yeah. So unusual that anybody would do something like this that it made it, it, made it, a movie. it into a movie. You might like this book, John. It's an updated <laughs> version. The best democracy money can buy. Isn't that funny? Expanded election edition. Well, okay. This is a, uh, Paul Parkinson gave this to me. Very nice. I have, uh, I've known many a, a, a person, uh, Many an arrogant PR person who have essentially said, you know, we make all the news. We uh, people just do what we tell them to. And that's the way it is. Well, the sad thing is that the audience doesn't give a shit. Like, oh, whatever. All right. Well, so they don't give a shit because they're not really given much of an option. No, but I don't. And they're, I don't they're think, used to it. Yeah, they're, they're used to just believing whatever. It's like, um. Remember that Isle of Jersey thing? I think I was telling you about it the other day about um, uh, they found all those bones, children's bones, and there's been, you know, oh, right, right, thir- right, right. 30 eyewitnesses and testimony for years. And 
you know, so they finally uncovered, you know, bones of like 12 children. And so, you know, now, whoops, they replaced the deputy or the, the chief of police. Whoops, someone else went in retirement. Oops, the judge changed. And now the news came out. Oh, no, no. It was there was no children bones at all. It's all animal bones. There was no torture whatsoever. You know, and everyone and people are emailing me. You really need to to make a correction. You were wrong. Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking? You, you're gonna believe this piece of shit over anything else, let alone on me? I mean, thirty people test testifying that this was going on. Yeah, man. We we get you know you see that when you do this is the great thing about uh, actually modern media and blogging and and modern magazines that use comments because you you can roll out like the most scurrilous piece of information that that you know is a true uh, I mean global warming falls into this category with Michael Crichton oh, by the way I saw it yes. I, you know Michael Crichton came out at you know and he's I saw his last interview with Charlie Rose I have a copy I should give it oh, to I'd you like to see of all that, his yeah. interviews yeah. and he says he knew he was going to get slammed for this but he says he thinks as far as he concerns it's a crock of crap <laughs> but you know you could have evidence that it's a crock of crap, but because people have subscribed, they have subscribed their personality. In other words, it's almost like, you know, I've always felt this way with, the, you know, this Mac versus PC thing that happened, which began in 1984 and it just really never ended. And you criticize a Macintosh. And the person who has subscribed to the Macintosh by buying one and thinking it's really good, they think you're criticizing them. Yep. They've it, internalized. People yep. have internalized yep. outside information, and 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 there, this is a form of materialism that is very destructive to one's personality. And this type of materialism can take the form of being materialistic about information. So you are totally you've bought in to something to such an extreme that if anybody says it might that you might be or that the information might be invalid, you defend the information even if it is invalid because you are a hundred percent in. Yep. This is not healthy. But this is rampant, John, particularly in high tech. Particularly Silicon Valley stuff. And uh, yeah, and no, it's programming. It has to do with an engineer. Yeah, it's it it's, uh, it's social engineering. But look at those ads. I mean, basically, hi, I'm a cool guy. You know, I'm getting laid, and I use a Mac. That's the whole message. And the other guy clearly is not getting laid. <laughs> by the right. by the way, the um, so it, I'm in New York, and I asked Ron and Jeff this. You know, uh, Ron Ron's a pretty smart marketing guy. Jeff's been. Uh, you know, we marketed electronic arts, uh, uh, all of North America for eight years, you know, billions of dollars worth of uh, video games. And I say, you see that bus going by? It says, uh, Windows, life without walls. Can you explain that positioning statement to me? And neither of them could. Do you know what that means? I have a theory. Well, let me think about it. This is their, I, not this to is, mention it. This is so weak. I remember seeing it myself. Life without walls, yep, windows. Yep. So the windows, what is just sitting there without a wall and holding yep, it up? I guess. So, no. Nope, okay. Nope. But I'm just trying to think of some some crazy things. Like I got the, it. I got it, man. I, it's and it's a total West Coast Silicon Valley thing. Hit it. Walled garden. The Mac being a walled garden. Oh my God! You're right. How how lame is that, huh? How lame is you're right. That's exactly it. And because I'm looking pun. at it, yeah, and I'm looking at it, I'm like you know this is not the best positioning statement in the world. And you know, and neither Ron nor Jeff they said the same thing. Well, it's like no walls and it's transparent and uh, but it was not good. You know, like well, 
How does that sound like, from for Microsoft? They said, "Yeah, that, that's like the way they package their shit." Said, yeah, <laughs> but but, it, but there's a pun in there, and I think because of the whole Mac PC thing, and now they've got the "Hi, I'm a PC," which, by the way, I think those ads are pretty good. I think, I they, think they stink. No, I think they're well cast. I like them. I like the. I like I, the people I, they how cast. Many used to, here, here, here's the here here is the big sixty four dollar question about these ads. Okay. When you're zooming by advertising using your TiVo or your DVR, whatever it is, and you go shooting by all these ads, bang, 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 and you see a Mac ad, one of those are the two guys, you will stop and watch it because you know you're going to be entertained. If you see one of those PC ads, are you going to stop your DVR so you can watch the ad? No. 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 No, you're right. But that's the difference between advertising and making a a better ad and doing something which I believe is the next and which what we are doing. The next level of advertising is you turn it into entertainment. Those ads are entertaining. They're fun to watch. So it's entertainment. Ergo, good. And And then, of course, that's the kind of shit that when you consume it as entertainment, you internalize it. And then you get all that crazy fanboy shit. Well, it has messages in it that are that are that are uh, that work. I, I mean, I think they're just they're fantastic. I mean, it hasn't sold me on anything, but you know. But the fact of the matter is, it's the machine I do recommend people buy. If, I, if somebody says, "What should I get?" Buy a lot of lies. Just get a Macintosh, and you know, you won't have to worry so much. Yeah. Hell yeah. So. And, and I saw it once again on the road, man. Um. Because uh, Ron, uh, we were using Ron's uh, laptop uh, as the presenting machine, so you know it's fully loaded and has, you know, in case there's no, you, know, you go to these agencies and you get like an hour with uh, one of the top media buyers responsible for huge brands. I'm talking about everything from uh, uh, Pepsi to Dr Pepper to movie studios to, um, <sighs> you know, other consumer packaged goods uh, like Gillette, uh, you know, on and on and on. And then you want to present to them. Sometimes the Wi-Fi is all fucked up, and you can't. You know, you want you 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 wind up presenting upside down uh, in, the, in the craziest <laughs> ways. You know, half the half the meetings I spend, you know, on on my knees on the floor. I mean, it's real schmata selling stuff. Right, because you have to go down and got, find the. You plug. gotta find the plug and all right, that. The 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 the, uh, our, our, uh, the uh, internet connection or the uh, internet connection is usually dead. <laughs> exactly, and then you know what's the guest password, and so we have. A lot of stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Nobody knows. Yeah. So, and this is, and these are media agencies who are supposed to be sophisticated in this stuff. Um, uh, anyway, so actually, we had a lot of good luck. We, we were able to get a lot of it uh, working uh, fairly smoothly. But, but it's a PC, and so whenever you connect to either, you know, we we did have our own projector, which we always carry with us in case someone has absolutely nothing, because there's nothing more pathetic than hey, let's all look over my shoulder at the screen or trying to navigate a presentation upside down. Right, bad. Uh, but uh, every um, every different projector we ran into, or every flat screen TV, you know, it's you spend fifteen minutes configuring the fucking options. You know the size, the frequency scan rate, the uh, the resolution, and with a Mac, you plug it in and it works. It just works. Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, did I internalize that? It sounded a bit. Yeah, I think so. You yeah. sounded like a little too too happy about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. The whole thing's a disaster. And I use the yeah, a, the Google phone. It's a problem a lot. with standardization. What? I'm sorry. I use the Google phone a lot this trip. 
Oh, I didn't know you had a Google phone. Yeah, yeah, I got one from the office. Uh, well, I was supposed to get a Google phone. They never got me one. Well, no, I got you the E71. Listen, you don't want the Google phone unless you want to test it out because the yeah, battery that's what life. What I want to is... do? I want to test it out. Okay. Well, you can have mine. I'm done with it. Is so it it's... a dog? No. Is that what you're saying? No. What I'm saying is the. F- I think I told. I thought I told you this. The phone itself is a dog. It's HTC makes it, and the battery life. You know, because of all the shit that's in there, whatever. It's like three hours. That's not worth it. There's still a lot of basic stuff missing, real basic stuff like, you know, I'd like to, you know, send a web page via email to someone. Forget all that. This is an operating system that combined with the Google services, here it is, the cloud, is absolutely at consumer-friendly enough level, and I could see this operating system, unlike uh, Symbian, I could see this going on the netbooks. I could see this uh, being a a very lightweight operating system that works with all the Google services, giving you enough to have a real experience in life, free as an as an operating system. Mm. I'm I'm really quite uh, uh I'm surprised by it. I'm surprised by it. So you think Google? You think this may be a Trojan horse? Not in the sense of a virus, but in the sense of like here, I, yeah. here we come. We're we're gonna yeah. do this phone. We look, look, yeah. it's just a phone. We're just doing a phone. No, 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 no. We're just doing a phone. But in fact, they're working on blowing out a real operating system that's going to be on real computers, yeah. running all these cloud apps before you know it. Yeah. Well, I know that they're already going to do it on a Sprint phone. So they're just they're ju- they're just going to be you know pimping the uh, the OS out everywhere they can. And I don't see why they wouldn't put it on bigger devices. It just makes perfect sense to me. So then Microsoft was right in their paranoia. Yeah, I think uh, I think so. Hmm. And it could do it, John. It really could. It already has the, the, the touchscreen hooks built into it. So that's kind of cool. Which, by the way, the hotel we were at had, uh, had those big Microsoft uh, coffee tables. It's kind of nice because... It, um, it, what it, hotel was this? Uh, the Sheraton Towers. A pretty shitty hotel. But right in the middle where we needed to be for this trip. Um, so you have these coffee tables, which are, I don't know, about like, you know, four feet by two and a half feet. And it looks like you're looking uh, uh, um, from a top view of the beach. There's a little starfish there and there's some shells and sand. And when you put something down on the table, because you don't, I didn't recognize it at first, but you put something down and the water starts to ripple. Ah, and then you notice, in the, yeah, in the four corners, there's a little tab. You hit it, and then boom, you get uh, Google Maps or Google Earth, I should say, or a, a, a it's probably Microsoft Live, but it looks like uh, Google Earth. Um, there's pictures of the hotel, and you can do all the rotating and the pinching and the expanding, and uh, yeah, it was good. I was uh, that's the shit Microsoft should be making. Yeah, well, <clears throat> if it's even Microsoft, it, it looked too, it worked too well for it to be Microsoft, honestly. Well, they're not going to, you know, they, you know, they, they drift in and out of these things. It's like weird. And I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, the, uh, more people, you know, apparently the government of Holland, uh, has decided to go open source. Yeah, they've been working on that for a long time. I think that's a, a damn good initiative. That started in Amsterdam, I believe. That's where the yeah, initiative said, started, like ten sitting years down ago. Sitting with the guy, the Dutch guy, yesterday. Oh yeah, for was it? Where yeah. was he from? From the from the government? Phillips. Ah, uh, right. 
He's going on and on about how his company doesn't, uh, you know, they, they're running Linux and, and yeah. open uh, office because, you know, he says, why, who wants to spend all, why should we be spending 800 bucks a head yeah. for office when we can just run open office and it does most of 99% of what you want done? And right. he mentioned, I didn't know this, but the newest version of open office actually will read and write a docx yeah. file, which I've told everyone in my family never to use. Yeah, I hate those. You get point PowerPoint X files as well. Completely not not backwards compatible with anything. Yeah. Uh, well, this is why uh, Kleiner Perkins invested in uh, oh, what's the name of the company? Kim Polisi's company. The um, mm-hmm. it's a it's like an IT services company that has it. You know that that uh, will service installs of Linux mm-hmm. for the Linux organization. You need that anyway. I mean, if you've got a big company, you need someone on the outside helping you. Unless you want to have thousands of consultants running around, or uh, yeah, IT you guys, you really need somebody from the outside. I mean, look, I ran a seven hundred person uh, organization. Yeah, you need help from the outside. You really you can't do. have like two good IT no. guys who know what Dude, they're doing. You have no idea what you're saying. This shit is hard. I mean, forget about just the physical layer of keeping that working. The idiocy. I mean, you need two people full time for the idiots. We actually every office needs at least one one person. I lost my password. My computer won't start. All of this shit. And then you know, with Microsoft keeping compatible versions of Office. Are you kidding me? So you know, then you have to have all the central install stuff, and then people want laptops to be mobile, and then you, it's you know, then then that's the worst. Because how are you going to maintain that? Oh no, it's it, I. Hats off to the IT people of the world, man. Shit. That is not an easy gig. They should send the wineware. <laughs> 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 no, I'm serious. So, uh, speaking of Dutch, um, the big G20 financial summit taking place today, Saturday, November 15th, 2008. Oh, you know, I, I just... Now that you mention that, uh, I, they just did a, you know, I was watching the, the, uh, Jim Lair, uh, Our, thing that's, in, yeah. and I, they had, they had one that was, they had a, a long discussion about the G20, a meeting, and, uh, I, I did tape it, and I was I'm actually probably going to try to send you a disc of it, or it's, it, it turned out to be too long for me to, to, to upload, but, um, Go on. I just because I have some thoughts on it. Well, so I have I have many thoughts, but just I was going to kind of ease into it by saying that I was reading this morning on the way back from the airport uh, uh, on uh, online because I was just you know surfing my phone that um, Jan Peter Balkenende, who was the prime minister of the Netherlands, uh, rushed back to Holland. He uh, you know the the conference had just started and he turned around and went back because his father passed away, which is uh, which is sad. But what I thought was kind of interesting is. Uh, the Netherlands is not a G20 country. And there are several, you know, non-G20. It's like they call it the G20, like it's some secret club, but then they invite everybody else. You know, it's like, I don't get it. Uh, other well, than that, uh, the Dutch royal family is, of course, part of the Illuminati and, uh, and yeah, Bilderberg yeah, group. Yeah, and, and, uh, they, yeah, so, yeah, uh, bullshit, sure. The, sure. Uh, Why else is he invited? The... You done? Yeah. So, uh, they had, uh, 
pretty good analysis of the, of the professor and the, these decks. You know, all of them were uh, uh, expats from someplace else. And uh, the, the one guy came up with the obvious. He says, you know, it was. He says everything was fine when you had a, right after World War II, and there was the, the first meeting was a G two, yeah. which was England and the United States, and then they figure out how they're going to do things. He says it should go back to a G two with just the United States and China figuring out because it says that's the real crux of all this of this problem is China and the United States. The rest of these guys are just, they have their own agendas. He says, there's the, this, nothing's going to come out of this meeting. It's a photo it's op. Gonna be, it's a, yeah, it's going to be just a bunch of guys arguing because everyone has, and he outlined every one of these countries that are involved. They have, Each one of them have their own financial mess. And then they said, and they're criticizing the U.S. and its banks. It's the worst banks in the world, apparently. And I, I think we blogged this. Are in England and uh, Great Britain, the American banking system is not as bad as, especially the the, the Germans, and uh, who are just leveraged up to, to unbelievably leveraged, and uh, it's just a fiasco. Well, the uh, so first of all, you you can't have a, just a G two with the U S. and China. It has to include the United Kingdom because uh, the the British Empire is, in my mind, largely responsible for a lot of what's happened in the financial. Uh, in the financial sector or globally. And we cannot ignore the fact that Brown, Sarkozy, Merkel, Trichet, who is the uh, president of the uh, European Central Bank, they are literally calling for a new world order and a new world financial order where the Europe, the IMF now, they're saying, they want the IMF to be uh, the central, like the uh, the spider in the middle of the web of the new of a new global financial system, and uh, and from what I understand, these guys have already kind of figured out what they want to do, and out of this meeting, this photo op will come, and look for it in the press that the Europe is going to say okay, and with Europe, I'm going to include uh, Russia, and maybe China will go along with it. They're going to say, okay, here's how we're going to run it. IMF in the middle. Uh, somehow, and I guarantee you there's going to be some carbon shit in there. And then America will have like a hundred days to comply. <laughs> and then we either go along or we, or we get kicked out. Something like that. Well, hopefully we won't go along and see what happens. But, uh, uh oh, the thing you were getting to was the, was these, uh, were the financial bailouts. And this is, this is indeed just crazy. So now we have the automotive industry wanting $50 billion on top of the $25 billion for retooling. You know, this, <laughs> you're so right. You know, what's next? It'll be, uh, the airline industry. And then it'll be, who did you just say it was going to be? Uh, newspapers. Newspapers, because of course there'll be no, no true news, no real news if they go away. Can't you know, it's like, like there's the, like there's any now. But you know, there was a day when we had horse and buggies. You know, those guys went away. They didn't get no bailout. You know, sometimes well, you, shit just has yeah. to change. But this, it's not about cars. It's about the pension funds. The pension funds. What they don't want is they don't want to screw millions of people out of their pensions, out of their gold standard pensions. And Obama, of course, who took millions of dollars from the unions, will if if Bush doesn't do it, he'll do it. He has to because it's all about the UAW. Right. Well, you know, they made the deal and they're supposed to try it at least. But, you know, I think they should probably just go bankrupt. 
I and agree you know, with you. I totally but the, agree. You know, but you listen to this and say, well, you know, you go bankrupt and you're going to leave a bunch of these pensioners in soup lines. It's going to be a disaster because there's lots of them. There's way too many. Yeah, but they someone has kid. to hurt. I mean, do we want to kill our children's future by having it shit for everybody? Or can we maybe we can find some kind of middle ground? But, yeah, someone has to hurt in all of this. And it's not the well, bankers. The guys I know for a fact that won't be hurting are the executives. Well... Who screwed it up? Yeah, no, of course they won't. And also, the uh, you know our government has a very different pension plan than you and I. These senators and representatives, they got a great pension plan. Yep, and they, and they have great health care. Yep, they should share the same shit they're offering us. Maybe that would change it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah. So what else? Let's get off this topic. Oh, you come up with something. I don't have anything. That's the funny thing about this week. I don't think anything interesting happened. I thought it was a pretty slow-moving week. It's after the election. You know, you have the most interesting thing is this, you know, Oprah and uh, Michelle cat fight. <laughs> that and, was the most uh, interesting thing. <laughs> it is. Isn't that terrible? Uh, that, that is kind of rough. Know. Uh, let me just. I'm heading through. to uh, Portugal. Oh, that's so happening. Sh- yeah, I'm leaving on. Uh, yeah, the trouble is, I'm they're running me through Frankfurt, so I can't stop by. Uh when are you going? What's the date? I'm leaving on tomorrow. Really? Oh back, shit! Yeah. Then I'll be back on uh, next Monday, so we have to push the show off to Monday night because I don't think I can do it. Uh, uh, I just don't think I'm going to have the bandwidth. Maybe. I mean, I why can give not? It a shot. If you're in Frankfurt, do you know that Frankfurt is? I'm not going to be in Frankfurt. I'm going to no. be in Lisbon. Oh, I'm sorry, Lisbon. Um, I've done shit from uh, from Lisbon. They're pretty wired. Yeah, but I'm not going to be in Lisbon that long. I mean, we're going out to visit all these high tech companies all over the middle yeah, of the world. Yeah, we should yeah, have, yeah. They should be wired out there, but I don't know. I would like to point out that in 57 episodes or 56 so far, not once have I actually made us do the show not on a weekend, no matter what. And I travel a, a million miles, and now you have one little measly trip, and we have to do it on Monday. No, you you. If you look back, we've done a number of shows on Thursdays. And you just don't, you're just obviously <laughs> getting old. Uh, we did a number of shows on Thursdays and we've skipped it. We've done a lot, a lot of, we, we have done a couple Sunday shows, I have to say. And I, and I do yeah, remember fun. doing a Monday show. But people do get out of whack, man. They got out of whack. Well, do you want to, look, if it works out, I'll be, um, actually, yeah, no, I'll be around, uh, Saturday. I'm going to go to, uh, I'm going to go to Holland with uh, Patricia on Friday. I want to see the live show. Hmm. Um, but I'll be back Saturday. So if you want, we can do it Saturday, Sunday, or Monday's fine, too. I'm cool. Okay, well, I'll try to do it on Saturday if I can. But just bring your headset. By the way, how does this mic sound? You won't believe this. So I... You I using it? Yeah. Well, I didn't want to take my whole my whole Heil microphone and everything with me, and so I just took my little... Um, what's the name of this setup? It's the uh, Lectro. It's actually the wireless lav set that I always carry with me. And uh, and I hooked it up to my Mac, so I'm, it's it's input directly into the processing chain in uh, Ableton Live. And I must have gotten ten emails from people saying, "Dude, you know this microphone setup sounds like ten times better than your normal setup." So so now I'm r- literally down to a pair of headphones and two little boxes with a lav microphone, and that's it. You're using a lav now? Yeah. Well, I have it stuck on uh, stuck on a mic stand, so it's not clipped onto my uh, collar or anything. I'm just talking directly into it. 
And I have mm. to agree, it sounds a, a, a million times better. And I got all kinds of outboard gear and external mixers. And I think I got to re- reevaluate my entire processing chain here at the, the Manor. Well, there's a lot of new microphone technology showing up. Really? That uses MEMS. What's what's MEMS? MEMS is a micro electrical micro electromechanical system. These are the you know uh, uh, the DLP from uh, Texas Instruments is one of the first examples of a MEM, which is a semiconductor. It's made like a semiconductor, but it has moving parts. Wow! And uh, you know the, there's little mirrors on that thing. Is that like nanotechnology? Sorry, yeah, it's nanotechnology. In fact, when you go to, you find a lot of scales now that in some of these high-end hotels. You've seen them; they're like expensive. It looks like just a piece of glass. And yeah, you, you step on, on it. Them. Yeah, sure. And there's no movement. Right. Yeah, you're right. There is. There's. There's no. Uh, your your foot doesn't uh, depress anything. No, there's nothing's depressed. There's a mem. There's a mem device in there huh. and it, it tells you what you weigh well anyway i think i'm not sure because i've never I haven't really looked at it, but the one of the hottest microphones out there right now is the countryman hmm. and the countryman mike you've seen it everyone has seen these things they, they tend they tend to be flesh colored and it's a mic wraps around your ear and it's got a little bitty thing that comes around in front of your mouth and the thing is just got it's like a Pinpoint. It's just a just extremely small little thing at the end, and a lot of country and western singers use them. Almost everybody. Oh, who does. right. When you have yeah the, on the headset, sure. Oh, yeah. really? Oh, okay. you know, I was always one. They use it on uh, lots of TV shows now, and I used to be against it because it would never really sound good. But in the theaters now, when you go to a, a Broadway play or maybe the West End, you can't. You know, sometimes you can see the mics. They're now becoming completely invisible, and the sound is phenomenal. The sound on a country man, because the first time I used one was about a year ago. And somebody says, I said, these things, I said, yeah, I've seen these things. Are they? He says, you got it. You won't believe the sound. Yeah. And so you use it and you just, it sounds like a big condenser mic. It's gorgeous, the sound. They cost about 350 bucks. And uh, it's just a really nice microphone. And they're called countrymen. You know what the problem is, though. I mean, I'm I'm pretty old school when it comes to um, to broadcasting, and I like kind of having a you know a nice fat you know thing in front of my face. You know, it's a, it's phallic almost, John. I mean, the idea of having a little puny little tiny dick mic, it just doesn't feel right. You know, I gotta have like a you know you grab onto it there and yeah, move it around when you're talking. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess you don't. Yeah, have you to and say. Ed Sullivan. <laughs> It's like having the big boom mics you know, that were over the head. I got this email. Uh, I, this is something I did want to talk to you uh, about. Um, oh, fuck, now i got to find it. Apparently, and there's some pictures circulating the net, uh, there's some, some so-called technology, and I say so-called for a number of reasons, called like PPP, or like progressive picture something or other. i got to look up this email. Uh, where they've taken a video still of an airplane flying, you know, the one of the, like, Flight 177 flying in just before it flies into the towers. Uh, let see if I can find this fucking email. Uh, and then they're able to zoom in digitally, as it were, and render the faces in the cockpit. I'm surprised you haven't seen this because you certainly would have blogged it. I probably would have debunked it. Oh, well, I totally think it's fake, but it, I, I'm receiving this from tons of people right now, which is weird why I can't find, uh, well, I can't find one of these emails. Here we go. First ever images from cockpit. Oh, flight 175. 
I'm reminded of the, uh, you know, I always get the biggest kick out of the TV shows that they'll have, uh, you know, they'll have some some crappy camcorder outside on a uh, uh, of a gas station, and then you know, so they say, okay, and they, you know, there's a typical CSI thing. Okay, yeah. zoom in. You know, let's right. zoom in. And, okay, can, <laughs> can you now enhance it? Enhance it, and they get the yeah, license enhance. plate from yeah, two miles away. Oh, but dude, those license plates here in the UK now. Every single gas station you go to, you walk in to pay, and right there, there's a monitor, and you see, you know, the past, the previous twenty license plates that have gotten gas, and you see your car right there on the in a picture, and you see their license plates been scanned. The things, it's pretty amazing technology. Look at that link I just sent you. Yeah, unfortunately my browser's not working. I think I'm, I think this, my stack's out of sync. I'd have to reboot the computer. Ah, shit. Ah, well. Anyway, that might be something you want to blog to, uh, I, I I agree to do, uh, to debunk, but I'm getting a lot of it. But anyway, this sort of reminds me of this kind of thing where they, they say, enhance it more, okay. Yeah. The, the computer geek knows that. And he has a special trick. He types yeah. something yeah. in. Yeah. You know where they do that on, uh, what's the show? Vegas? They used to, yeah, they used to do that in Vegas all the time. In fact, they used to do all the fancy stuff where they do the point where they, and my other favorite one is run his prints through the yeah. database. And they, and like within two seconds, you know how long it takes to run prints? I don't know. It's it like seemed, it, take, it could take days. No, wait a minute. Don't you have like the, a monitor the, uh, and you have two, uh, and you have the, the, the and fingerprint? And his face come up. Boing. Yeah, and it goes, oh, match, partial match. You know, the other one, the other pile of crap that's on TV all the time that I'm always amused by is they, to, to create a point of interest or a point of suspense, they do the, uh, and actually my kids are all aware of this too. And we, it's like the family collectively rolls its eyes when this one comes on. Yeah. It's like a guy calls up, he's like a kidnapper or something. Run a trace on his phone. Okay, the trace <laughs> is on. And the guy calls, hold him oh, on the line. Like, hold him on the line. Half minutes. Keep him on a little longer. Oh, he hung up. You know, they, this information. Information comes over instantly with the call. There's no tracing oh, anymore. They, ever hear of caller ID? <laughs> well, I mean, this is like from years ago. I mean, 20 years, I think maybe 30 years ago, uh, on almost every call, whether you even use caller ID or not, there's enough information on the uh, on the data that, that initiates the call that you know exactly where the, what the number is and where it's coming from. Yeah. But they keep using this as a suspenseful note, and I think it's just such bull crap that I wish somebody would just bust it and say, and, you know, at some point, I, or unless they're trying to keep dumb criminals thinking that, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the point of it is. No, I think it's to condition you, you know, or it's just lame writing. Maybe that's it, just lame writing. Because, I mean, I could think of a million conspiracy theories easy for that one. Easy. Yeah, but anyway. I mean, yeah, we talk about Echelon and all that stuff, and we know that uh, everything's being traced and tracked and recorded. And Hey, that thing in Australia is really happening now, John. It's impl- they're implementing a test system as we speak. The, uh, what, the censorship the, yeah, system? Yeah, the censorship, yeah. And I get emails from people, and I'm amazed. They say, like, well, you know, this is outrageous. I've got to stop this. I mean, sure, we should we should stop the kiddie porn scum. And it's the same thing. I'm like, you know, if they can... It's not that hard to find out where a server is, okay? It's not that hard to take down a server with your military botnet. You know, it's not... If, if people are processing credit cards, it's just not that hard to figure it out and shut it down. You know, do not accept any type of filtering. Do not accept it because the next thing... No, 
third on the list. It's going to be kitty kitty porn first, and then it's our show, John. <laughs> then it's like, yeah, we can't have anti-Americanism and we can't have uh, anti-patriotic talk. That's the next thing that's going to happen. Well, we, I'm surprised you're not blocked in the EU already. Well, in the EU, they're already they're absolutely uh, public Wi-Fi that blocks certain sites. You betcha. That's taking place. Well, you know, there's always, you know, as long as you have a, uh, I don't know what you can block content that is like just a po downloadable podcast. It's pretty hard to search that stuff. I mean, they'd have to actually go out of their way to block us. No, they, they, no not at all. We're um, Curry.com is now blocked on uh, Vodafone. Is it? Yeah. But Curry.Mevio.com is not. You know, we spend a lot of money. This is the scam. And by the way, it's only going to get worse. We spend, um, I'm going to say, between forty and $50,000 a month to stay on whitelists for email, whitelists for ISP blocking, for net vanny, for uh, strong mail. You know, it's fucking outrageous because these guys, it's a scam. They have it set up with... Um, and with all the ISPs, with all the big email companies like MSN and Gmail, and they'll negotiate for you, and they'll be your, by proxy, they'll uh, maintain the white list for all these companies, because it's, it's a business. It's an absolute profitable business they're running, and it's a scam. And now the government's going to get into the game. Watch. Yeah, you're probably right. It is a scam. It's ridiculous. I wish people realized it. Well, the Australians are idiots if they're going to let this happen. Thank you. I'm glad you added that. Because uh, I'm going go to go to... I mean, the Australians are always these tough guys. I mean, they always present themselves as such. Yeah, oh, and mate. they get pushed around like yeah. this. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they should, hey, they should storm the capital. Where's Crocodile Dundee? What the hell is that? He should be going, hey, mate, don't feel dry internet. I'm making a trip down to Australia. I've promised my uh, my daily source code listeners. Uh, when? Um, in 2009, because um, in the past year, a lot of seemingly exciting uh, energy technologies uh, are popping out of Australia. And a lot of magnet engines, a lot of stuff like that. And so I want to go and see some of this stuff. And I got the hydroxy booster. I know that works to a degree. So I'm going to go and look at some of this magnet stuff. Yeah, these guys are doing, they got nothing, you know, this, what's down there? Sheep and kangaroos and opal mines. Well, get some, at least if nothing else, you'll bring back some opals. The thing, though, is I've been asking my listeners um, ah. to send me uh, Australian porn. This is the funny thing. There's, so I'm like, hey, you know, send me some Australian porn. porn me. There's, and there's only like one porn site in all of Australia. Well, then why are they filtering it? Exactly. They got nothing going on there in porn. They're obviously trying to repress the public's. Uh, you know, it always boils down to finding out who's voting for who, and let's screw with the guys who vote against us. And that's um, uh, and the other thing, which I always say, one reason that you don't want the government monitoring all this stuff is let's start monitoring private conversations of all the venture capitalists and see what's up, and we can make our investments appropriately. Yeah. With the money we just stole. Yeah, with the money we just stole. <laughs> Did you see, I, I posted on curry.com, I know you don't give a shit about anything I do, uh, but you might want, actually it's on my Flickr, uh, Flickr site. I had a, a meeting and I had to scan the business card. 
Uh, yeah, you sent me that. I oh, yeah. saw it. Did you like it? Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, uh, I don't actually to be honest, but I don't know what the point of it was. Well, it says Bear Stearns, a J.P. Morgan company, on the business right. card. I thought that you know yeah. that's like if you're from New York Finance, that's just something you you cannot believe you'd ever see. It's, oh, oh, it's I see. Surreal, saying, yeah. and uh, anyone at Bear Stearns would just like that's impossible. Anyway, a lot of Wall yeah. Street types I spoke to are saying this is this is the buying opportunity. Now is the buying opportunity of a lifetime. Which, by the that's way, what, I do agree with to some extent. Unreal that's companies what says. Yeah, I agree too. Yeah. I, I say I wrote a column about this in Market Watch. It says, I said, you know, it's funny that they're, 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 these experts are always telling you when the market starts going up, you're supposed to like slowly sell off, you know, as it as it starts banging the top. But nobody ever tells you to like do a little bottom feeding once in a while. There's a I lot mean, of good in, companies in, right Intel now. Intel at thirteen dollars. Yeah. I mean, holy mackerel. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to go up because these guys make the world AMD go round. AMD is like two bucks. Yeah. And those are, I mean, I'm not in the market, and uh, and, and you know me, I'm, I'm I'm tired of it, won't do it, and I'm done with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that seems totally logical. You know, Intel, yeah, right now it's tough because they got no orders. I mean, that's logical. We're going into a into a slowdown. Which, by the way, I think, in hindsight, depending, of course, on what the new financial system becomes, but w- but what's really happening is people are saving money. Good on you. And now um, Walmart is doing layaways. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. They're doing layaways through their email marketing. And uh, people are keeping money in their pocket. You know, it's it, it, sure, it's grinding the economy to a halt. But so what? Shit's finally well, going to be affordable. For a while. So... Uh there was a good blog post that we had. Some guy, I can't remember his name, but he's like one of these fairly, fairly famous as someone who's a good prognosticator. And he ran down a uh, horrible scenario for the next four years with yeah. o- under Obama, which concluded with tw- in 2012, where the best Christmas gifts <laughs> was are food. Going to be- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> food. Food. <laughs> oh, thank you, mommy. Thank you. Oh, a cupcake. Oh, a cupcake. I got a potato. A potato. I got a potato for Christmas. What did you get? Well, listen. In the United States, we can't imagine this, right? But my my father my father in law just turned eighty three today. And guys had a quintuple bypass, pacemaker for twenty five years. But he was uh, a fourteen fifteen year old boy in the Second World War, and he ate out of trash cans. And we you know we can't imagine that in the United States. Europe certainly remembers. It's not that long ago, you know, there's a, a very different culture and food, yeah, just imagine, and it can happen. Well, you know, people do still, there are, the homeless still go to, uh, trash, uh, bins. Here's a story I, that you, you would be amused by. The homeless still go to trash bins and grab stuff, and you, my wife actually used to go to Monterey Foods trash bin, because she had so damn many rabbits to feed, literally. Yeah. That she'd gr- get greens, and she'd talk to these people, and these homeless people would come in there and get food for their family for whatever reason, and she said, and the, and the, but the big complaint was these groups of people, and there was one high Highlighted on TV the other day in one of the you know the the public broadcasting station on some one of these you know hyper liberal shows about how how this was a good thing. This group of people in California called Freegans, 
and the Freegans are dumpster divers. They're, these are people, and this one guy bragged about it. He was a professor, I think, at one of the colleges around here. I can't remember exactly which one. He seemed a little weird, but he was a college professor. He makes like, you know, a hundred plus thousand dollars a year and feels obliged to go into dumpsters and grab food because he's so much good food. And they showed him. He says, look at this. This is a absolutely fine apple. If you cut off the one side, you, you, it's, it's very edible. And he was loading up. Meanwhile, there are people homeless, starving to death. And these idiots who have all the money in the world for all practical purposes in terms of being able to go out and actually buy something and keep the economy going are dumpster diving because they're part of this Freegan uh, revolution. It's pathetic. No, what's really pathetic is uh, I come home and Patricia says, oh, wow, it was so beautiful yesterday. They had a big telethon. The United Kingdom is great at telethons. And they roll out. You know, they've got, they've kind of got their, uh, their Johnny Carsons. You know, they've got uh, Sir Terry Wogan and he'll do something funny. And, you know, the whole country watches and they raise 20 million pounds for, uh, poor children. And I said to Patricia, I said, you know, isn't it crazy? You know, like we spend that entire evening, the whole country is engaged in raising this money. People are pulling nickels and dimes and pounds and pence out of their pockets and they're sending in this money and they're a part of a movement and they really want to try and achieve something and help the children. And meanwhile, you know, 20 million pounds, that's a fraction of the 600 billion euros that they gave to fucking banks, which was our money as well. This just trips me out. Let one of them fail. Fix health care. Feed the children. Save the gay whales. We're done. Nah, got it. these executives, they need their bailout. And they're taking it. A lot of, yeah, they should be, these guys should be, you know, this is, if you ever really see a true depression where you get the 25% unemployment, these guys have abused the privilege to such an extent. I've talked to, by the way, some billionaire friends of mine about this, and they're well aware of this possibility that the public could get to the point where they literally storm Atherton and burn down mansions and kill people. I mean, this happened during the French Revolution. This is not the kind of thing that doesn't ever happen where the rich people are literally attacked in mass by hordes of angry people uh, because they essentially abuse the system, which many of them have done. It wasn't like somebody pointed out this the other day how when Lee Iacocca took over, I guess it was Ford or whatever, he, you know, he says, my salary is going to be a dollar a year until I fix this company. Nobody yeah. does that anymore. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs still works for a dollar. Steve a year. Jobs is the last one. Yeah. But the rest of these guys is no. I'm going to make. I'm going to make three hundred million dollars a year, and I want every bonus possible, and then I want the golden parachutes and golden everything. So if I quit, you got to give me another half a billion. And then they, you know, and the next thing you know, they got three or four yachts, and they got a big mansion that's ridiculously large that they can't even use. So this um, this corroborates my theory. Uh, about what happened with the uh, public servants, Russell Brand and Jonathan Ross. So remember Jonathan Ross, who makes six million pounds a year for doing a talk show on Friday night and a couple of radio shows on the public broadcaster, the BBC. It's always been a point of discussion, but now everyone's so fed up with all these, um, you know, with these guys taking hundreds of millions of uh, in salary and fucking everybody 
that, you know, they go for the lowest hanging fruit, and the minute, you know, Jonathan Ross screws up and it's just not funny, forget if he insulted anyone, he just wasn't funny, the whole country goes apeshit, and they're like, oh, this is ridiculous, and, and it's, it is the first step towards exactly what you're saying, John. Yeah, riots. The only difference is, in the United States, the citizens have guns. Well, it's going to be worse in the United States. I mean, the problem with the United States, if you, a lot of people haven't noticed this, but Obama has a citizen militia that he wants to put together. Oh, geez, this is uh, this is huge. Go ahead, talk about it. I love this. Yeah, and this was brought up in the Colorado in Colorado uh, in July. He first brought this up, and it's never really been denied. And if you dig around on the website, you, you find can find it right there. I'm going to BarackObama.com right now. It's on the website. He wants to put a together a citizen, which I consider to be brown shirts, by the way. Yes. A citizen militia, uh, bigger than the military and better funded, to protect the country internally. In other words, national police, uh, or called whatever they're going to be called. Yep. I think it's listed under... Uh, citizen home. military. Um, Nobody has... I mean, except for a few right-wing talk guys and a couple of articles, you can look this up on Google. Anybody out there who wants to get into it, and you can read the whole comment, the whole thing Barack said in Colorado in July. And uh, nobody has, seems to be too upset about this. It's, and I'm going, what are you kidding me? We're going to put together a national police force bigger than the U.S. military, better funded for what? John, uh, don't we have local police already? I mean, don't they do the job for keeping us from getting robbed or whatever, or pull over drug traffic tickets? What are these guys going to do? John, I mean, the truthers or the conspiracy theorists out there have been screaming about this. This is the problem. I can't even get this message to you. We're out here, man. We're, we're talking about this shit, specifically this issue. No one, I don't think people care. I don't think they, I think the problem is they haven't been told to care. They're at the point right now that unless the major media, which is, you know, basically Barack Obama's public relations agency, decide to tell people to care, they're not going to care. Now, I think that the thing is, is that once any of these things try, they, once they try to implement any of these things, I mean, talk is cheap. And the Barack Obama list of things he's going to do is huge. And you say, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to fix this, we're going to fix that, we're going to get Osama. And, um, the list is long, and once they start to implement one of these things, I, th you know, I, I, there may be some evidence that the media is going to think twice about it, their situation, because they're the biggest targets. So the, I mean, media, the, first person, the media, the first thing you do is you wipe out the reporters, or you make sure. No, they're on your that'll side never happen. Are you kidding me? That's yeah, not how the show. You got if you're going to broadcast the show. Yeah, that's what you're saying. No, you got to. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's a better way of saying it. But no, I look at it from the entertainment standpoint. They're not going to get rid of their transmitter. They need the broadcast to, to keep the show going. That's how it works. Television, actually, that's a big part of what, uh, we had this discussion in New York. So we're about to switch to digital television. And no one ever talks about why or what the significance of that is. But the radio industry, at least, has figured out one part of that. You'll notice that radio is not transitioning to digital audio broadcast. It's already available, uh, but it's essentially failed. And I'll tell you why. Because television, of course, is used for indoctrination, and there's other money flowing in those circles. But in radio, it pretty much comes from selling shit to your audience during drive time. When you go to DAB, you've just diluted the entire offering. 
the whole reason why radio stations were able to make money until you know alternate forms of media came along is because they had control over a limited resource. The FM band goes from 88 to 107. You know, that's it. And you have to have some spread in there so there can only be so many radio stations. That's why there's so much, or there was so much money to be made. And when you go to digital, it dilutes that. So the radio guy said, no way. So what's going to happen with digital television? I, you know, no one ever talks about why this was so necessary. Why do we have to all switch to digital? John C. Dvorak, you certainly would be an expert in this. Yeah, you'd think. Well, the, the 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 purported reason is to free up some bandwidth that they can auction off, so the government can get more money. Really? Yeah, that's hey, but the purported it, reason. Yeah, but it's a drop but in the I, it's a drop in the bucket. Your, through your uh, paranoid analysis, you're going to tell us the the absolute fact, which it has something to do with with pop with uh, with uh, crowd control. Well, I don't know. I'm not, maybe. I th- well, what do you think? I mean, what's what's the purported? Re- I mean, what are you? Why are we making this switch? The only thing I can imagine is, is that well, it can't be. The, here's what I know: it doesn't make sense if you're going to have more. Basically, there's going to be more channels available. That does not behoove the media in any way. So that's what I know. It can't be for. It can't be for the media. They can't be liking it. So it has to be some government idea. And I'm not I'm not saying I know what it is, but it just doesn't make sense. Well, there you're right. You, it's, it's not bad enough that there's 500 channels and you can't find anything on that's good. But now there's going to be even more because, in fact, the local uh, public broadcasting station here, KQED, you know, went on their digital thing, they got four channels. They got you know the regular channel, the public broadcasting channel. Then they have a, a you know a version of a bunch of old used stuff, and they have a kids thing, and they have a world version and a lifestyle. I mean, it's and a lot of these channels are they did one of them, one of the stations. I think it's I don't know if it's four or five or one of I think maybe it's four or two. Anyway, they have like their they have their main channel, and then they have a weather channel that's 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 the, the sub channel, and then they have a channel that has, just has cameras around the bay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like you know. Okay, well, that's a good use of it, I guess. You could do that on the internet. So the other uh, the other end of it, John, is that they free up the so called white space, which now can be turned into some kind of super Wi Fi. Maybe you know that's the uh, maybe that's the plan. There is we turn that into the super Wi Fi, the all encompassing network, i.e., Internet version two, which of course is not maybe not quite as open and uncontrolled as what we have today. It's a long-term project, but hey, it's possible. Digital's also makes it a little easier, I think, to control content with with uh, usage flags yeah, and DRM right, and right, things right. like that. Tracking, know who's watching what. Yeah, that could be possible. Okay, it's from an Obama speech that he gave on July 2nd. Uh, the quote from the speech, We cannot continue to rely on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives that we've set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded. People of all ages, stations, and skills will be asked to serve. Yeah, and and nobody's like... Outraged. 
Nobody's outraged. Where was McCain? He's running against this guy. You know, there's another example of why this election was probably rigged with him not, you know, there's, let's bring in, let's make, do everything we can to lose. And, well, by the way, don't bring up anything like that that might get you some. You know, if McCain had brought stuff like that up and also had voted against the bailout, he'd be president. He'd be the guy elected. Meanwhile, in the National Enquirer, there are some fuzzy yet very obvious pictures of Cindy McCain making out with some other guy. Clearly younger. (laughs) (laughs) That's hot. (laughs) That was in the Inquirer? Yeah. Yeah. I got to start buying this magazine, man. This is good. There's some good shit. You know, the other ones are broke the John Edwards thing. Nobody was going to touch. It's another thing the media wasn't going to touch. This guy's having babies while running for president with with strange women who are crackpots, and nobody's going to cover it because, well, you know, we couldn't do it. You know. Meanwhile, the Inquirer puts a few private detectives on the case, and they get pictures of him with the baby. Yeah, we we talked about this last week, right after the show. Barney Frank. uh, I'm sure you've seen this guy. He was. One of the two, he was uh, on the, I think he's the uh, he's chairman of the finance committee or whatever it was. He yeah, was banking. The banking committee, right. He's the guy, the big, big heavy, fat guy is going, <laughs> and he got into a big fight with uh, O'Reilly on Fox, which was pretty funny. So this guy has been in, uh, he's a congressman, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's been in... Uh, in government for uh, almost three Ever. for almost yeah three decades at least, but you know he uh, in the uh, in the eighties you know, he was he had male prostitutes uh, you know in in uh, public buildings blowing him he had uh, a prostitution ring was being run out of his apartment in uh, uh, in the in the in the Beltway area. You know, it's like the guy's totally uh, blackmailable for for his his he's crazy a, well, ass out. behavior. He's not like he's hiding anything. And he's, and no, he's, he's not like, hiding it. But there was but all he's kinds a total of inquiries. Ball. Yeah, the, thank you. That's the word. I mean, nothing against gay sex and nothing against prostitutes. But you know, come on. I mean, you can't. These are the things that make you blackmailable when you're into fucked up shit and weird circles. You know, and, and, and no one ever brings that up. No one ever says, oh, by the way, guy's kind of interesting. It's worth a little background human interest story on him. Well, maybe the Inquirer, you know, the problem with these papers is that they only delve into politics once in a while to test the waters to see if they're going to get any more newsstand sales. Because that's a newsstand sales uh, uh, vehicle. It's very European in that regard. A lot of people don't realize that most magazines in Europe are sold at the newsstands, not by subscription. And a lot of it, and, and a lot of the headlines are based on, uh, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. But man, if you can get a, a politician having weird sex in uh, in like the garage or uh, somewhere else, I mean, that's the stuff people love. And it seems to me that, you know, if the National Enquirer in particular, since they do have the resources and they're very aggressive about pursuing stories, uh, would do a little more politically. And maybe it's a good sign that they're going into this Oprah versus Michelle thing. Yes. Uh, it, they maybe should bump around they some other stuff. Because the, stuff, na- the yeah. regular media is not covering not any of this. It. As not proven by it. the John Edwards thing. And, oh, by the way, when that finally broke in the National Enquirer, every, all, you should have heard all the apologists on all these talk shows on TV, you know, representing the uh, the real media. Well, you know, they pay for that. They, You know, we could read right. about it, and right. but we didn't know what to do about it, and we decided to cover, you know, Sarah Palin's, you know, sick, uh, kid. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're so right. And by the way, would, go ahead. I'm just saying, if the National Enquirer would just step up, 
Yeah. And, you know, because they do mostly celebrity gossip. Yeah. If they step it up a notch and, you know, just at least, you know, at least once an issue bust into something, I think they they would be kind of interesting to see what would come of it. Well, it's clear that the... Uh the tabloids are going to do it, and that's what, as I said, that's how we. This is a good moment to wrap up, actually, because that's kind of how I started the show by saying, "I like this. I like the fact that, uh, that this cult of personality is now going into perhaps the real, true uh, print media." And um, and you know what? It, it, it's okay to buy these things because uh, they're entertaining as well. The one thing they really do well is they go out of their way to get the perfect picture for the headline. <laughs> You know, Michelle Obama looks like she has, you know, they almost could draw horns out of her forehead. You know, they got her on a really, really mean-looking pose. And there's a lot of fluff. You just got to pass over the fluff, the the coke up Paula Abdul's nose, which, by the way, looks pretty true. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that is just lame. But then you get to the the Obama and uh, or the Michelle Obama and Oprah pictures, and they're just, it's funny. I, I mean, you have to laugh out loud when you see it. And I've got Greg Norman kissing Chris Everett, and he's sticking his tongue out like a little <laughs> fucking lizard. Yeah, that's humorous. It's really humorous. See, well, that's where the that's where the bread and butter is. It's <laughs> a great picture. <laughs> he's like gonna French kiss her, but they you know they they catch you in like mouth half open, tongue just coming out, and looks really sleazy. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. Well, there you go. We come full circle. We, I guess we uh, just have to keep our eye on, uh, on alternative media. Yeah, including, including blogs and whatever. Yeah. All right. Yep, I'm rolling the uh, rolling the, the theme music, John. All right, so uh, maybe not next weekend at the latest Monday, and but it'll be early Monday because we're going to both be in Europe. Or are you going to be back in San Francisco then? I'll be back in San Francisco. So when do you come back? You come back Monday or, or Sunday? Yeah, I come back Monday. Early? No, it can't be early. It'll be afternoon, so it won't. It will be too late, maybe. If you're going to back until three in the afternoon, it's going to be. Uh, I have to do. I'll have to stay up midnight. Well, I'll stay up for it. I'll try to do some. I, I'll bring gear with me, and I'll try to do the show when we get. It, it won't sound as good as it does with this little system here, but it'll be. Uh, I think we can manage something. Well, if you only, if only you use the Mac, I could set you up with a really good setup. See, I, I like the machine I carry on the road is two pounds. You know, it's two pounds, right. and it's like I can't find anything that's this light. And when you travel, especially internationally, everything is weight. They weigh everything. So I travel light. So no, you. not going to happen. <laughs> not even with an Airbook, huh? Or a Mac nope. Air or whatever. Now, no, that thing's useless. It doesn't have enough connectivity. <laughs> I agree. All right, John. Good talking, talking to you as always. Um, and uh, coming to you from the affluent suburb of Surrey in the United Kingdom, I'm Adam Curry. And I'm up here in northern Silicon Valley, northern California. I'm John C. Dvorak. And we will talk to you again in about seven or eight days right here on No Agenda. No Agenda.